So Christmas is here. As I mentioned earlier, it is important for us to remember that Christmas does not end on December the 25th, but merely begins there. I think it's important for us to remember that Christmas isn't a day, it's a season, because it's important for us to, to, to experience and to rest in the promise that our Savior has come in the, the, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that shows up on the 25th of December. You know, for the last four weeks, we have been celebrating the Advent season. The, the, these four weeks leading up to Christmas where we prepare ourselves for the arrival. And if you are someone who pays attention, you have noticed that the altar cloths have been purple for the season of Advent, and that this morning they are white. White is the color that we use to express joy and celebration. You see, you see white at Christmas. You see white at Easter. You see white when people get married. Because we are in a time and in a season of celebration. You know, Advent, the season that we're coming out of, is about anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. It's a season for us to, to remember that we need rescuing. And that the Messiah has come, that Jesus has come to do that. But as, as Christians, today we now anticipate the day that Jesus will return and make all things right. And Christmas is, is marked by this expectation. Christmas is, in fact, marked by expectation in every way, shape, and form. Christmas seems to be often about waiting, doesn't it? Sometimes it's waiting for, for the arrival of family. Sometimes it's waiting for the arrival of Santa Claus. Sometimes it's waiting for the gifts to be opened. Sometimes it's waiting that you can finally grab the time to make the cookies that you've wanted to make since the day after Thanksgiving and you only get to about two days ago? You know, Christmas is, is wonderful for so many reasons. The time that we get to spend with family is sweet. It's the time of year where Oftentimes we make things to eat that we don't make any other time of the year. This year we pulled out the old squash casserole recipe that we haven't used in years. And let me tell you, 38-year-old Carter thinks it's a whole lot better than 8-year-old Carter did. I made, I made prime rib for the first time and... It turned out pretty well. Sometimes we, we get to appreciate the lights. On the 23rd, we went up to Lou Mill and saw the lights there at Lou Mill. If you have not gotten a chance to go up there and experience that, it's too late this year, but go next year. It's great. Sometimes, right... The wonderful thing about Christmas is the cold weather. 
Not this year. But there's so much to look forward to, and that's, I think, what makes it hard to wait for. But I think we also need to ask ourselves a question. What is it exactly that we are waiting on? What is it that we are expecting? We were talking last night about Christmas and how there are a lot of people that seem to have a not terribly positive relationship with Christmas. And I think it comes back to expectations. They're expecting something that they aren't getting. And so I think we need to ask ourselves really and truly, what is it that we are waiting on? What is it that we are expecting? Is it those things? Is it family and food and lights and gifts and Santa Claus and the all-day-long marathon of a Christmas story and the midnight watching of It's a Wonderful Life? Is it those things that we're waiting on? Is it those things that we are expecting? Or is it something bigger? And in fact, something better. We started worship this morning by me reading to you from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. We're going to skip a couple of verses and continue our reading in John 1. We're going to be reading uh, John uh, 1, starting with verse 9. Will you stand with me as you're willing and able as we read God's Word together? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of God. Read it. Believe it. And live it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly God, as we, as we study Your Word this morning, as we contemplate and, and focus on the arrival of the light, the arrival of the Word, the, the, the birth of Your Son. I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to You, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated. So I think we can all agree that Christmas is worth waiting for, right? For me, I know, from the moment that Santa Claus goes down 6th Avenue in New York City on Thanksgiving morning until Christmas, I am in this, this waiting mode. That's about a month, right? I mean, give or take a few days. It's normally about a month from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And when we are, when we are kids, it feels as if that month stretches on forever. It is the longest month of the year when you are a little kid. Now, when you're an adult and you have adult responsibilities, it becomes the shortest month of the year. 
But when you're a kid, it just seems to go on forever and ever and ever. I was watching A Christmas Story this year. You know the, 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 the movie about Ralphie and he wants a Red Ryder BB gun? I got a Red Ryder BB gun the summer, the Christmas that I was eight because the summer before I had watched that movie during Christmas in July, and let me tell you, I had to have a Red Ryder BB gun, and it's still there. And man, can I shoot some Coke cans with that thing. I never put my eye out, though. But, but as I was watching that movie, what struck me this year that has never struck me before, if you're paying close attention, all of the action of that movie only takes place in a couple of days. It's only, it's only a couple of days. And yet, from Ralphie's perspective, right, it's forever. Because he's a little kid. He's eight years old, and, 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 and Christmas is coming, and Santa Claus is coming, and he wants his Red Rider carbine BB gun with, with a, a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. Which was actually never, in fact, on the days of Red, Red, Red Rider model, but on another model. And it was a sundial. That's the thing that tells time. But see, it's told from his perspective. It's a story told. He's an unreliable narrator. And so for him, it takes forever, but it's just a couple of days. Because because of that anticipation, because of that, that waiting, because of that longing. Now, that first Christmas... That first Christmas 2,000 years ago was also an event that was a long time coming, except it was actually a long time coming. It wasn't a couple of days. It was hundreds and thousands of years that God's people sat and rested with the promises that they had received. They were, they were familiar with those promises that, that had been given to them years Hundreds, thousands of years before a manger and angel and wise men and a star. But they trusted in God's faithfulness and they believed that God would come through. And so finally, finally, in this tiny city of Bethlehem, a young couple named Joseph and Mary found themselves in a farm shed behind an inn that was too full to accommodate even a very pregnant woman. And so it was there in this stinky manger. And if you've ever been in this kind of barn, you know, I mean, no matter how faithful you are at changing the hay, it's always going to have that animal smell. And it was in there that the the Savior of the world was, was laid from the God of the universe to a vulnerable little baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. We know these, these stories, right? We, we sort of piece together these stories about, about that night from, from Matthew and from Luke. But this way that John tells us the story of Jesus' arrival is, is different. It doesn't have shepherds and wise men and angels and mangers or even any little drummer boys. What John's story has is light and the Word. That's 
That's what he tells us right there, right in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It was a light that was born into a world full of sin and darkness. You know, we have this idea in our head because of this image that we see over and over and over again that Jesus was born at night. And we get that because of the shepherds and when the shepherds were and when the angels showed up. But we don't know exactly when before the angels come to the shepherds that Jesus was born. He could have been born eight hours earlier. It could have been daylight. But we have this idea, this image in our head of the manger at night. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we know that this is a light that shines forth in the darkness. And so think about that image that you've seen over and over and over again of a dark Bethlehem and a manger full of light. Now, I will tell you this. Jesus was born before the advent of the electric light bulb. The manger, naturally, was not going to be as bright as it is in the pictures. But there was a supernatural lightness, a supernatural brightness that was there, that had come into the world. And it's not just any light. It's not a, it's not a candle. It's not, it's not a light bulb. It's, it's not even one of those like super bright LED headlights that are really annoying when you're driving on a two-lane road and you think they haven't turned their brights off, but that's just their normal lights. No. This was the light, capital L, that people had been waiting on for generations. Tonight, I want you to do something. I want you to go home. Do it on your own. Do it with your family. Go, go home, and after dark, which, you know, this time of year is at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But after dark, close the blinds. Close the blinds. Turn off the lights. Sit there for 10 minutes in the darkness. Let your eyes get really well adjusted to the darkness. If you really want to do this, man, get like little post-it notes and cover up the, the, the front of the, the VCR or the TV where the little light is. Sit in the darkness. Let your eyes adjust. You'll be surprised. I've been surprised getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to tend to a baby. How well I can see at 3 o'clock in the morning without turning on the overhead light. You'll be surprised how much you can see, but it will still be dark. And then after your eyes have adjusted, after you're, you're used to the darkness, light a candle. A candle. A, a, a feeble candle that really doesn't put out that much light. And you will be amazed at A, how bright the candle is, and B, how much you can see by it. Pay attention. But then notice something. No matter how dark you have been able to get it in the room that you were sitting in, the darkness does not swallow up the light. The light shines forth in the darkness, and the darkness can't do anything about it. The darkness doesn't creep in and extinguish the light because darkness isn't anything. Darkness is the absence of something. Darkness isn't material. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And the interesting thing that we know 
is that light is this weird thing, right? Light functions both as what? A particle and a wave. There is a physicality to light that darkness does not have. And so when a light is introduced into the darkness, light always wins. Always. When Jesus arrives on the scene, it's a fulfillment of a promise from long ago. We've spent a lot of time over the last four weeks in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah speaks to the day that a light would dawn on the people who were living in deep darkness. And that light brings hope to a hopeless situation. It brings peace to a people who had living in chaos. It brings joy to a world that was, quite frankly, miserable. And it brings love to the human race that had forgotten about God. Scriptures calls Jesus the light of the world. And like any other light, He came into the world to accomplish certain things. He came to reveal the darkness in every corner of our lives and in every corner of the world. Not to shame us, but to heal us. John goes on, right? And John, we we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How is it that I have never read the King James Version of the Bible, and yet I know that in the King James? But what's John 3.17? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Let us never separate 3.16 from 3.17. Jesus comes and His light shines forth and it shines into the dark corners of our life, but it shines there not to condemn us, but to save us. Not to shame us, but to heal us. He came to, to shine a light to, on the right way to live. It's hard to navigate a dark and broken world, but the birth of Jesus is a light that lights our path. This year, for the first time since I was a kid, I wanted to have luminaries. And so we went at the last minute because it's me, and of course something has to be done at the last minute and bought bags and sand and candles and had luminaries in front of the house on Christmas Eve. Luminaries that that light the way. Because Jesus is the light that lights our path, that shows us the way. One of the reasons that we see lights everywhere during the Christmas season is because it is a constant reminder that while we may be familiar with the story of a baby born in the manger and, we, and, and that's what Christmas is about, Christmas is also about the light of the world that has come into the world that has to brighten it up and to shine forth and to beat back the darkness. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John's giving a warning here about the dangers of missing who this true light is. 
Jesus miraculously comes into the world, a world that was actually created through him, is held together by him, and the world did not recognize him for who he really was. It's a, it's a tragedy. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the light, for the Messiah to appear and to redeem all that God had created. And when he shows up, they don't recognize him. I mean, couldn't the signs have been any more clear? How can they not recognize him? Because they were expecting this. And God sent this. He he didn't look like the kind of Savior that they were hoping for. God's people were a people who for 500 years had lived under one occupier or another. They had been exiled to Babylon. They had come back. They had been been occupied by the Greeks. They had thrown the Greeks out and now they were occupied by the Romans. And what they wanted, what they expected, who they thought this Messiah, the Savior was going to be, was going to be a mighty warrior who would take up the sword and as a crusader evict the pagan Romans from God's holy land. They were thinking too small. They thought that the Messiah was going to be a promised activist who would lead God's people in protest against the world. They were thinking too small. Because more powerful than military might, more powerful than than activist rallies, chanting slogans, was the humble birth of God in the flesh and a sacrificial life that would free the world from sin. You know, we can get wrapped up in thinking that we should be getting a certain thing and, and when we don't get it, we can get, we can get ugly. I don't remember all of the details, but when I was about, I'm guessing, 9 or 10, because we were living in Niceville, there was a Christmas that I thought I was going to get something, and I don't even remember what it was. And even though the presents I got that year were amazing, and I remember in particular a Lego castle, I was ugly about what I had gotten, which resulted in my, very temporarily, losing the gifts that I had been given. Now, I don't, I don't remember all the full details. I'm getting some, I'm getting some facial expressions down here. So, so if you want the full details, I am happy my mother, I'm sure my mother and father would be happy to give you all of the details of all of the ways that I misbehave as a child. You can hold it over, for, over me for years to come. I'm sure they'd be happy to tell you what an ungrateful little snot I was that year, at least for a few hours. But we do this, right? Like we think we're going to be getting, getting this, and we get this, and this is way better than the thing that we asked for. But we, but we get ugly about it because we can't see that it's better. We, we miss the gift that we've been given because our expectations haven't been met. And so, brothers and sisters, let me say this. Don't miss the gift of Jesus. Don't miss 
the gift of Jesus. I don't want you to leave here today without being offered the greatest gift that you could get this Christmas. I don't want you to be like those who were there when Jesus arrived and who missed Him because they, they were expecting something else. I don't want you to miss it because it doesn't look like you think that it should. Jesus was born into the world for all people. And that means you. He came to rescue you. He came to free you from sin and death. He came to shine the light of hope, peace, joy, and love into your life. And so let's not miss Him. But all who did receive Him, but all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in His name who were born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Those who who receive Christ as the greatest gift of God are given the right to become children of God. Different from children who are born to an earthly father and mother, they become spiritual children of the divine Godhead. God becomes their father, and in love and mercy, He forgives them, and He provides for them, and He guides them, and He protects them. And if if we are children of God, that means that we're spiritual siblings of Jesus who is the Son of God. And so we inherit the same things as Jesus. We inherit an eternal home and we inherit a resurrected body and we inherit joy unspeakable. And so, let's not miss the light that has come into the world. He's come to offer us a fullness of life but only if we live that life with Him. God God longs to dwell with us. God, God came in the flesh to dwell with us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, John has been describing Jesus as light and as word. Jesus is the word because he is the fulfillment of all that was written about him. All of the prophetic promises are made true in him. We get to see God's word in the flesh. We see all of the glory of God in one man. If you want to know what God looks if you want to know the character of God, if you want to know the nature of God, look no further than Jesus Christ. He's the incarnation of God. He's the perfect representation of God. And He came in grace and truth. Jesus meets us with such grace and He reminds us that we are loved for who we are and not who we should be. 
Jesus meets us with truth, which tells us that we can be more than we are right now. And the truth of Jesus reveals the sin within our hearts and the grace of Jesus removes it. He shines into our lives and He makes us new. See, the beauty of Christmas is not just that Jesus can shine into us, but that He can make us new and shine through us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father. God's glory can shine through us. So let's shine that glory of God. It is easy. In the last couple of years, it feels like it's been easier than ever to be overwhelmed by the pain and the suffering of the world. I think that all things considered, we're doing relatively well after the last 20 months. But I don't know about you, but I am to the point of emotional and mental exhaustion. And when we get that way, it's easy to get overwhelmed, right? So I don't know why I would think of this particular example, but if you have a small child, say, I don't know, a six-month-old, it's easy for them to get overwhelmed, right? But it's even easier for them to get overwhelmed when they're tired and when they're exhausted and when they've done all of the fun stuff and they get overwhelmed and they cry out. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the pain and suffering of the world. The key is believing that Jesus can help you spread the light of hope. I don't know if any of y'all saw this. It came out last year, but I was reminded of it this year. Um, There was a lady up in Massachusetts who had put up Christmas lights. She, She had not done a lot of decoration for a couple of years, but last year in the midst of of Corona tide, in the midst of the pandemic, she, she went all out and she decorated her house and she put up lights and everything else. And, and, and she caught, her doorbell caught something. And if you see the video, it's a, it's a little elf. I'm assuming it's a little person dressed as an elf. I mean, who am I to say what Santa was doing in Massachusetts on December the 9th of 2020? I don't know. But this little person comes up and leaves a card, rings the doorbell, and runs off. And as, as, as they run off, as they round the corner, you can hear them say, Merry Christmas! And you hear another little kid, probably a sibling, go, and Happy New Year! The card said, Thank you for spreading Christmas joy. We love your lights. The lady, uh, Joan Sullivan, on one of the news interviews, she said, it filled my heart with love and joy. Sometimes we don't even realize the kind of hope, peace, joy, and love that we can give to the world simply by being the light that we shine as a follower of Jesus. 
But when we love others, when we serve others, when we encourage others and live our lives like Jesus, the world will notice. Because the light will shine and the darkness cannot overcome it. And when the light shines, they will say, the world will say, we love your light. Because we were created to love the light. One light in the world may seem like it does not have the power to light up the dark. But when each of us are filled with the light of Christ, the light becomes powerful. Let us be the light. Our hymn of invitation today is going to be hymn number